So last week we began to explore the parables of the kingdom as presented by Jesus to his disciples in Matthew chapter 13 uh, within the larger context of the theology and practice of the kingdom of God. We looked at Jesus' reason for speaking in parables as being a means of adding to the life of the spirit already in you and transforming it into life more abundant. Life more abundant in the kingdom of God by opening our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our minds to understand so that our hearts will obey. That's the reason. So our hearts will obey and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was, of course, the example of that in the wilderness. We also discovered that initially you only need to receive a little of the kingdom in order to receive a massive return. A little from the Lord, I hope you know, is far greater than a lot from the world. (laughs) I shared last week some of my personal conversion testimony of how the seed of the word had fallen on the path of my life like a minuscule mustard seed almost imperceptible, and yet, when I understood it had taken root in my heart, I nurtured that seed by watering it with the word of God in prayer, and it has grown into a wonderful and life-impacting tree in God's kingdom garden. I also mentioned having experienced each of the negative soil types referred to in Jesus' parable of the sower. Remember, some fell on the path, some fell on stony ground, and some fell among the thorns. I stated last week that we are all on a path, right? Um, But you know what? We all have stony ground, right? We all have thorny ground in our hearts because these are the common conditions of the fallen nature. Matthew 13:22 As for what was sown among the thorns this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful So I wanted to share an experience that I had in my own walk where I was confronted with thorny ground in my own life After my conversion experience in Florida, I spent about another year down there and at a certain point in time began to feel uh, kind of a tug from the Holy Spirit. It was time to go back to Massachusetts to begin to share the gospel with my family. No one in my family knew the Lord at all, and uh, I'm happy to say the majority of them do now, and uh, some of it's really good, some of it's mediocre, but whatever. And so I did that. I returned to Massachusetts and uh, just began to work for this uh, Russian Jew who was a master upholsterer in Boston, and uh, he was 96 years old. He was still working nine hours a day in his shop. I mean, this guy knew the trade. I mean, he, he did stuff, upholstery work for the Tsar of Russia before the revolution. I mean, amazing stories. And uh, so I worked for him for about three years and uh, we really hit it off. He kind of loved me like a son type of thing, you know, apprentice and all that stuff. And 
Uh, when he finally retired, he said, I want you to take over the business. You know, uh, his daughter owned a furniture store in the same building. He said, you'll just rent the space to you. And the, within a year, it grew so big that we had to get a larger location. And um, about three years into the business, actually, on my own, I came to the place. I brought the books to the bookkeeper for the end of the year for taxes and stuff. And um, she said, Dick, you're going to do a million dollars this year. Figures are showing you're going to do a million dollars. And as soon as she said that, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, and i got to say this is the first time I had heard that whisper in about three years. And he said, choose right now, the million or me. Now, what had happened, I hadn't gone off to drugs or alcohol or fast living, gambling, or any of that. I just caught, got caught up in building a business buying a home, raising a family, you know, uh, making things better, of, of achieving things that I never thought I would achieve, but it was the, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Little by little, the Lord had become less and less important in the equation. So I was working 70 hours a week building a business not praying, not in the word, not going to church, none of it. So he said, choose the thorny ground or the kingdom of God. Two weeks later, I sold the business and moved up to Lockmere. That was my entrance into New Hampshire <laughs> and started again, started again. And when I moved in, I started a, a little routine that lasted me for several years. I would get up at 4 a.m. every morning and read the word for two hours just to get myself back into a position with the Lord where I knew I belonged. And so, you know, the, the types of ground that the Lord is talking about aren't necessarily just about conversion. We can find ourselves confronting these same elements in our lives at various times during our walk, and I think... The Lord uses those as times to refine us, to adjust us, to bring us to a place of realizing where we really are. You know, when I was building that business, you know, people would say, Dick, how are things going? Things are going great. Things are going awesome. You know, I got a home. I got a, you know, Sarah was my, my first baby then. I mean, you know, I got a kid. I mean, all this stuff is good, you know. But from heaven's point of view, Dick ain't doing so good these days. Haven't heard from him in quite a while. You know, I was all caught up in the thorns of life. So, anyways, the next parable that Jesus talks about is about the sower, but with a number of significant differences in this, uh, this particular parable that highlight the transformative power of the kingdom of God, while at the same time, adding structure to our understanding of the context and makeup of the behind-the-scenes players in the parables, as well as the expansive influence that the kingdom has on all that it comes in contact with. So it's in Matthew 13, 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. I hope you caught that interaction there. While his men were sleeping, the enemy came in. Okay. Now, you'll notice he didn't come in and hang out. He came in, he did something, and he went away. You know, the enemy does not have to live in your pocket to be destructive. He just has to plant a lie in your life. Then he can go away because you'll do the rest all on your own. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does, does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. Now notice he never says, You jokers, you were all asleep. No accusation, no condemnation. An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put a parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. I like that. It's been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Now, before we get into Jesus' explanation of the wheat and the tares, I want to touch on those two short exemplum statements that Jesus makes regarding the influence of the kingdom on surrounding environs. The first I alluded to last week in my testimony, tiny start, big finish, right? Demonstrating the tremendous growth potential of the power of the kingdom of God. He put a parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. But more than growth, there is also transformative power of the kingdom from the smallest of seeds to the largest of plants and that would be in the natural scheme of things it would be the end of the equation seed to plant 
right? You can do that in a paper cup, right? Put a little dirt in there and a seed, water it and watch it grow, right? You're going to seed to plant. That's the, the natural. But this is kingdom. This is supernatural. And so the plant becomes a tree. And the tree becomes an abiding place, a place of community where nests are built and reproduction takes place and future generations are prepared. We'll see that later when we look at the explanation of the wheat and the tares parable, what exactly they are prepared for. I think that it is both interesting and exciting that Jesus never states how this transformation happens or what the process actually looked like, only that it can and does happen. That is exciting because it means that God does not rely on a canned response when it comes to kingdom interaction. But rather, he looks for personal interaction with us as individuals, in our individual situations, with our individual needs, with our individual quirks, to produce transformed individuals who become the corporate bride of Christ, the church. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hidden three measures of flour till it was all leavened. I want to point out something to you so that it doesn't get lost in some utilitarian perception of what Jesus is trying to illustrate here. Jesus is not saying that women will be doing all the cooking in the kingdom to come. <laughs> all right? This is not about baking bread. But what he is saying is that women are functional in the kingdom, even as men are functional in the kingdom. Gifted, talented, committed, obedient followers of Jesus who are led by the Spirit, whether they are male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free, matters not to our king. His love has torn down these walls of division. And shame on any church, any movement, any denomination, or any individual who seeks to re-erect such barriers in defiance of the spirit of liberty granted to the church, the bride of Christ, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, whom we serve. And this is so, in fact, because the kingdom of God is like leaven, yeast, in that it both infiltrates and permeates whatever it has been added to, such as bread dough. So here are just a few yeast facts taken from the website HuffPost Taste, <laughs> offered by food writer Julie Thompson, which will help us understand the yeast or leaven dynamic of the kingdom. So this is her quote. You probably think of yeast as the thing that comes in these little packets and magically makes your bread rise. Or more likely, you probably don't think about yeast at all. We don't blame you. But people, you should give yeast a moment's thought because yeast is really an amazing thing. 
these tiny cells that some consider to be man's oldest industrial microorganism. Right? Remember Jesus said from the foundation of the world, speaking of the kingdom, these are the oldest industrial microorganism. In other words, microorganisms that build or construct something. Yeast is amazing, guys, and here's why. Yeast is alive. One package of yeast contains 140 billion, that's with a B, billion yeast cells. That little packet. Yeast is a living, single-cell organism that multiplies extremely quickly when feeding off sugar in a moist environment. And this is how the kingdom works. It is alive. And under the right conditions, it goes right to work to quickly increase its own presence and influence over that to which it has been introduced. And again, this is at the natural level, the familiar level of how this all works. But as with all things kingdom, the rabbit hole goes much deeper. Now, this gets a little technical, so I'll only give you the brief statement as it is found in Wikipedia, statement on genetic transformation. In molecular biology, transformation, and Martha spoke about transformation earlier, right? We haven't just been cleaned up. We haven't just been fixed. We've been transformed. You once were this, you're now that. Right? Flip that cardboard around. Transformation is the, is the genetic alteration of a cell resulting from the direct uptake and incorporation of exogenous genetic material, in other words, DNA, from its surroundings through the cell membrane. Transformation occurs naturally in some species of bacteria, such as yeast, but it can also be affected by artificial means in other cells. For transformation to happen, bacteria or yeast must be in a state of competence. Must be in a state of competence. Are you competent in Christ? Do you know who you are in the kingdom? Do you know who you are in Christ? Can you stand in competence? Which might occur as a time-limited response to environmental conditions. Sometimes the spirit speaks and expects a move. And if you don't move, someone else will. And you'll miss the moment. Do you ever miss a Kairos moment? Do you ever just look? behind over your shoulder and say, dang, I missed the Lord on that. I knew I should have spoke to that guy in the aisle. <laughs> right? So what this is saying is that yeast not only infiltrates and permeates, but also transforms at the subcellular level, changing the very DNA of what it has been introduced into. This transformation happens within a limited time of receptivity when environmental conditions are such 
that the ability of the yeast to infiltrate is greater than the ability of what it is infiltrating to resist. How many of you heard the gospel before you received the gospel? Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, nothing to do with it. And then one day, bam, all of a sudden it makes sense. Bam, all of a sudden it impacts the heart, right? What's the difference? I don't know. The kingdom. The kingdom. Its influence became greater than my resistance. And the kingdom of God is like that. At a point in time, the conditions of your life came to the point where you could no longer resist the plea of the gospel. You yielded your life to the overwhelming lordship of Christ, and you have become a new creation. You have been transformed. He has transformed you into a child of God at the deepest level of your being. And you have been born again, not of the flesh, not of the old DNA, but of the spirit, new kingdom of God DNA. The kingdom of God is like yeast. Ezekiel 36, 26 and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come because the kingdom of God is like yeast. I was going to go on and go back to the parable of the wheat and the tares, but I felt a check in my heart from the Holy Spirit that this would be a, a good place to pray together, to invite the kingdom of God to, to come in the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit and to infiltrate areas of our lives, areas of our heart that need to be transformed. I don't know where you all are at in your life, in your walk with the Lord, what's going on with you, but he does. I don't know what your needs are or how they could be met, but he does. And he can go deeper than I could ever go. And so just considering this parable of the yeast, of the kingdom being able to infiltrate uh, those areas that perhaps in the past you've resisted the Lord in, areas of your life where you said, you know, I, I know that's there, but I'm not ready to deal with it, perhaps today. Perhaps today you could allow your resistance to be less than his desire to touch your life and allow the kingdom of God to be like yeast in the loaf of who you are, to change you at a deeper level than you've ever been touched before. So I want to invite you to just stand with me this morning as I pray. And if beyond that you need...
personal prayer will be up here at the end, and you can go even deeper if you desire to. Let's pray. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. Lord, your kingdom is wherever you are. So we say, come, Holy Spirit, rule and reign in this room. Begin to rule and reign in the hearts of those individuals today who have said, I'm letting down the guard. I'm lowering my resistance. Lord, would you infiltrate, would you permeate their being in a deeper way today? Touch those areas, O oh God, that are not kingdom-centric. Lord, and redeem them, change them, O oh God. Cause us to be as you see us to be by the great salvation offered through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would bring to the forefront of our understanding exactly who we have been made into in Christ, that our identity would, would come to the forefront of our thinking, O oh God, and we would be changed, not only in our perceptions of ourselves, but in the outflow of our heart towards others, O oh God, that your kingdom would flow through us, O oh God, to impact the lives of those around us. That we would be contagious, oh God. That we would begin to infiltrate through our words, through our love, through our affection, through our deeds, oh God. The lives of those who are broken, who are battered down, oh God. Who are in darkness or defeated by the evil one. Lord, that we would become uh, kingdom permeators, oh God bringing the good news, O oh God, that we would be sprinkled like yeast into the life loaves of those around us. Come, Holy Spirit. Touch us, O oh God. And perhaps there's some area of your life that uh, you could just speak to the Holy Spirit right now and invite him to come and touch that area of your life, change you in that place. It shouldn't just be between you and he. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. More of Jesus. More of your kingdom, oh God. Thank you. As I said, if you need personal prayer or ministry this morning, I invite you to come up front. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Go in the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay warm. And uh, remember, one service next week, 1030, and a massive picnic. <laughs>